Father, we thank you for the opportunity to stand another time in this pulpit and preach your word. We know that your word is forever true. Your word is forever faithful. Your word is eternally infallible. And we trust you, O Lord, for this service, that your word would do what your word does. You said it will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish the purpose whereunto it is sent. God, I pray that your purpose will be fulfilled in hearing the word of the Lord today. In Jesus' name, all the people said amen. 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 Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 34. That's the last chapter in Deuteronomy, so it should be easy to find. It's over in the front of your Bible in the Old Testament. Amen. We know from scholarship that the books of the Pentateuchal materials, well, that's a big word in it, Pentateuch. It comes from the uh, prefix penta, which means five-sided. Uh, the five books, first five books of the Old Testament are called the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch. There's a marvelous book that's written by Charles W. Kahn, and uh, the title of it is A Guide to the Pentateuch. And it explains wonderfully exactly what the Deuteronomic principles are and what the Pentateuchal materials mean to us 6,000 years later. It is supposed that Moses is probably the author of the Pentateuchal materials. Uh, There's argument concerning that, and scholars have different uh, thoughts about it. But suffice it for us to say that Moses is the author because there's no other one standing in line to claim it. Amen. So when there is no other, usually you can just depend on the one standing there. That's the way my mother figured out who was guilty. The one standing there is usually the one. Yeah, that's the way she did it. So we'll assume then that Moses is the author of the Pentateuchal materials. There is some Hebrew words that we need to understand. The first is Decalogue. Decalogue means the Ten Commandments. Deca meaning ten, Greek. So we get the Decalogue, which is the Ten Commandments. The oral law that is spoken orally. Now, Hebrew people uh, interpret differently. They have a word for law when it is spoken. They have another word for law when it is written. When the law is written, it's called the Tanaka. And when it is the spoken law, it is the Torah. The Torah, or we would roll our R's and say the Torah. Torah. So this this information leads us to believe that the five books of the Pentateuch are about law giving and about law receiving and about the children of Israel wandering around on the Sinai Peninsula trying to get direction from God about which way they're going. How many of you have ever started out to go somewhere and found out you were going exactly the wrong way? Wow. Well, you would have made a good uh, candidate then for the children of Israel because we all know that their route from where they were is southeast and the Lord led them northwest. So uh, they kind of were going in a a different direction. Had a good leader because uh, he wouldn't have survived all that if he hadn't had uh, some good leadership in place. But there came a time when they wanted to kill him. There came a time when his own sister and his own brother talked about him and ridiculed him so badly and sowed such bad discord throughout the whole congregation that they wanted to to just kill their pastor. 
Well, I know you've been mad at me. You'd want to kill me, I guess, sometimes. But can you believe that they wanted to actually kill Moses? And the Bible said Moses is the meekest man of all the earth. That means humble. Well, if he wrote Deuteronomy and he says Moses is the meekest man of the earth, he's talking about himself. He's saying to everybody, I'm as humble as I know how to be. Why do you call me arrogant when I'm trying my best to be as humble as I know how to be? How is it you tell me I'm right the opposite and you rumor everything in the world that I'm right the opposite, but actually, he said, I'm the meekest man of all the earth. That means the most humble man of all the earth. Now, we're going to find out God's estimation of him. That's his estimation of himself. And God gave an estimation of him a little bit later in the text. But we have to realize that he's talking to people that he has led for 40 years. Amen. And they haven't come near the promised land yet. <laughs> I mean, haven't even got close. Amen. So I imagine there was a, a lot of gossip on, on the rumor mill. And well, I wonder when we're going to get there. I wonder if anybody could give us a good estimate of when we're going to get to the promised land. We keep wandering around in this wilderness, eating this loaf bread. And you thought it was loaf bread, did you? The Bible said we loathe this bread. They called their manna bread, but it, it got to a place to where though they welcomed it in the beginning, they hated it in the ending. I imagine they sautéed it. I imagine they broiled it. I, I imagine they made some manna casserole. I imagine they managed some way to cook it on the grill. But after they'd figured out every way in the world you could fix manna, the final analysis was, we've had it up to here with manna. And so Moses went to God. He said to God, hey, hey, they're miserable because they don't like the manna anymore. Too much manna. Well, I understand that because too much butter beans. Too much manna made these people very ill. Very ill. No wonder we're, we're wandering around we know not where. Have an ETA of I don't know. And we're still out here now. And the best we can do is go out every morning and pick up this loaf bread and try to make a meal out of it. And we've just had it with it. And Moses said, God, they're very upset. And God said, do you believe God's got a sense of humor? Anybody believe God's, God's got a sense? I love God's sense of humor. I love it when the Holy Ghost says something funny, you know, especially when people just laugh and then it comes true. I love it when God does that. I love his sense of humor. He said, okay. said, we will give them something besides manna. Tell you what we'll do. I wonder how they feel about quail meat. He said, I tell you what we'll do. We'll give them quail. Instead of the bread or the manna, we'll just prepare quail for them. And they can eat quail. Quail in the morning, quail in the evening, quail when the sun goes down. In fact, Jesus, God said, we will give them quail till it runs out their nostrils. Now, you didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? Well, you just check your little reference on there and call it up on the Google. and It'll tell you about it, that they actually, God said, I'll give you quail till it runs out your nose. 
Wow. <laughs> you didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? So then we have God here trying to get these people in proper alignment. And he's got Moses. Now, every time we, we find these people, they're camped by a mountain, aren't we? What's up with the children of Israel and mountains? Mount Nebo, Mount Hermon, Mount Sinai. All these mounts, there's always some mount, Mount Gerizim. All these mountains and all of them mean something. And, and it looks like in Scripture they camp by just about every one of them. At this point, they're camped by a mountain called Nebo. N-E-B-O, Mount Nebo. And listen to the Scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 34. And all Naphtali and all the land of, of Ephraim and Manasseh, second verse, and all the land of Judah under the utmost sea. Now God's showing him now the promised land. God has brought him up on the mountain, and God has him uh, situated up on the mountain, and he tells him, he's showing him the promised land, but he's saying to him, this is what it looks like. This is where it is, and this is how it's situated, and this is the way it looks, but you're not going. Wow. You're not going. You're not going. What a, what a sad commentary that is because one thing I want to get over to you is we're not done yet you may feel like you're done but you're not done yet my message to you is you're not done yet it's time to get up and move onward Moses is not coming back and you're not done yet so it's time to get going amen God showed him said there's going to be a battle but you're not going to fight it Joshua's going to fight that one I've got another man lined up, and he's going to be the man that's going to take Israel into the promised land. He's going to be the leader, the captain that leads them in their battles. He's going to be the one that, that crosses the Jordan. He's going to be the one that uh, leads the people. You're not going to be the one. Listen to the narrative of it. And to the south, the plain, the valley of Jericho, the palm trees, and Zoar. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him. Hey, God had sense enough to hide his body, didn't he? And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, over against Beth Peor, but no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. And Moses was an hundred and twenty years old when he died, and his eye was not dim, and his natural forces were not abated. And the Lord and the children of Israel wept over Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days, so the days of weeping and mourning for Moses are ended. The day of weeping and mourning for Moses have ended. Now what? Now what? These people have been on their faces, on the ground, mourning over their only pastor, their only leader, their only man that they could ever look to. The only man that had ever brought them relief. It goes back to what we talked about yes, last Sunday about priesthood. He was the one who went to God for them. In fact, this whole nuance of going to God, get a message, take the message to people, 
it's, it's Moses. It was Moses that God said, bring the people out to the mountain and said, bring them out. I want to meet with them. I want to I relate to them. I want to have an encounter with them. And the Bible said, and the people of Israel came to the mountain and they started up the mountain, but they stopped because the Bible said there was thunderings and there was uh, strange things, lightning and those kind of things that were going on about the glory of the Lord. The Bible said he dwelleth in a light that no man can approach into. And there was no way that they were going to see him because no man had seen God at any time. So then about halfway, I'd say, up the mountain, they changed their mind and backed down the mountain. Got a sermon I preach. It doesn't work in reverse. They started backing down the mountain. And when they backed down the mountain, Moses said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Where are you going? God's expecting a meeting with us. God's expecting an encounter. God is all set. He's excited about this. He's really pumped about this. He's really excited to know that you are coming to see him. You're coming to meet him. And he's really, really excited about it. You can't change your mind and back out now. But they backed down the mountain and they said, it's too, too terrible, it's too fierce. Wow. And they said, I tell you what we do. Why don't you go up the mountain and you meet with God and listen to what he has to say and then you come back down the mountain and tell us what he said. And there we get this picture of the preacher going to God, getting the message, go back to the people, tell them what God said. That's what we call priesthood. That's what we call priesthood. And every congregation has a priest that goes to God for you. You have a priest who goes to God for you. And then you have a prophet who comes from God to you. Oh, praise the Lord. That didn't go over your head, did it? A priest is one who goes to God for people. A prophet is one who goes to people for God. So as he ascended up the mountain and, and to receive, and always he got something good when he came back from the mountain. It was always a blessing when he came back down from the mountain. He always had some, some kind of blessing with him. Well, one time when he came down the mountain, he had the commandments. He'd been in the presence of God so long that the people of Israel thought he was dead and he wasn't coming back. Now, I, I would say that the children of Israel had a real, real bad case of preacher religion. Brother, they thought Moses was all there was. And when he didn't come back at the time they expected him to, brother, did they ever make a bad move? Next thing you know, they have all took their earrings and they've all got their gold and their silver and all of their, their, their goods and they brought them all, the valuable gold and, and silver engravings and brought all of that to Aaron and said, Aaron, make us a God. We need a God we can see. 
We need a God we can touch. We need a God we can feel. We need a God that we can see him present with us. And the Bible said, and Aaron made them a God. And he made it in the shape of a golden calf. One of the gods of Egypt. Wow. Well, they'd been in bondage in Egypt 400 years. It was the only way they knew what a God looked like. And they fashioned their God after the God of others. Listen, you need your own personal God. You don't need to depend upon somebody else's God. You need your own personal God. You need God that supplies your needs. You need a God who, who keeps your, your soul. You need a God who hears your prayers. You need a God who, who, who heals your body. You need a God that goes with you and never leaves you, never forsakes you. You need a, a God that will stand by you, that will be what you need him to be when you need him to be there. And Moses has been to the mountain. And here he comes back down the mountain. And he's got the tablets in his hands. He's got the law of God. The way we can achieve righteousness, the way that we can be justified, the way that we can have peace with God. I'm carrying it. God said if we would keep his commandments, he said if we would keep his statutes, he said if we would walk in his way and forsake not and to turn to the right nor to the left, but to walk in the way that it's put before us and to obey these, these commandments. And when he gets down, from the mountain, he sees the golden calf. And he sees the people with their gyrations and their hilarity worshiping the calf. And Moses, of course, threw the stones, the tablets down and broke them. So that had to be done over. But he said, Aaron, what in the world were you thinking? I've been in the presence of God. I've been interceding for you. I've been finding a way that we can achieve justification and peace with God and enter into his holy presence. I've found a way, and I've come back to find you, an idolater worshiping a calf. Can you give any explanation? Well... I just took a bunch of stuff and threw it in the fire and a cow came out. I just took a bunch of stuff and threw it in the fire and a cow came out. Mm. Boy, was God mad. Boy, was God angry. And God up the mountain again to tell God the disappointing news. God knows everything anyway. But when Moses came up and he said, God, can't explain why, I don't know how this happened, but the people of Israel have backslidden and have gone after an idol God. And God said, I tell you what we'll do. Said, we'll just kill them all. They can't be trusted. 
They're not trustworthy. They say one thing and do another. They're hypocritical. They tell lies. They say things they don't mean. And let's just get rid of the whole lot. You mean God said that? Yes, he did. And he said to Moses, he said, I tell you what, Moses, we'll do this all over. Instead of a crazy guy like Adam, we'll let you be the guy that populates the earth. We'll destroy everything on the earth. We'll start all over, and we'll use you this time. You'll be the first Adam. And Moses said, God, we cannot do this thing. Boy, it's quiet in this house. God, we cannot do this thing. Your righteous reputation is at stake. What will the surrounding countries think about the God of Israel? We've told everybody that you're a God of grace and you're a God of peace and you're a God of love and you're a God of compassion and you're a God of forgiveness. And the Bible said, and God changed his mind. Woo. Boy, does that make you appreciate Moses? Does that make you appreciate Moses? That he could have had it all? And he said, no, because God, you wouldn't get glory if it went that way. It needs to go this way so that you get the glory. Come on, somebody so that you get the glory, so that you get the glory. It doesn't matter what for me, the, the matter is that you get the glory, that you get the praise, that you get the worship, that you get the credit for it all. Wow. Every time Moses went to the mountain, something good always came down with him. And when Moses came down and he said, said God has... has has repented, and God has said he's changed his mind, and he's going a different direction. And the Bible said they all rejoiced. Oh, thank God. I'm glad God doesn't hold grudges, aren't you? Brother, he just handles things right now and does it, done with it, move on. Move on. And that's the way it was with Moses. These children of Israel, they're here now. And they've gotten to the place where they need Moses. And Moses has gone to the mountain. And can you imagine the 30 days of his being gone? Not knowing where he went, not knowing if he's coming back, not knowing what's happened to him. But listen to the rest and Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, and his natural force abated. In other words, he, he could still dance still. Oh, he could still see real good and read the, read the wall up there. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. All of his eyesight was good. His hearing was good. He wasn't all used up yet. There was still some left. 
How many of you can say, Lord, there's still some left. I'm not done yet. I'm not finished. I better get going. Pastor's preaching about going forward and getting going. I better get going because there's some left here. I hope when there's nothing left, I hope God takes me on that day. The day I run out of anything, I haven't got anything left, I hope he takes me home that day. Amen. And amen and amen. But as long as there's something left here to work with, I'll be somewhere preaching his word. And I'll be somewhere telling everybody that Jesus is right for whatever's wrong. And I'll be somewhere praying a prayer. And I'll be somewhere giving a testimony. I'll be somewhere working for God because I'm not used up yet. I'm not finished yet. I'm not through. I'm not done. Moses wasn't done. But God's will was for him to go home to be with the Lord. And the Bible said, and God buried him. 120 years old and God buried him. His eyes were not dim, forces weren't obeyed. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses had ended. Ended. Don sometimes uses this scripture in a funeral setting. And Joshua. And Joshua. The son of Nun. That's not N-O-N-E. There was a woman at some time in history whose name was Nun. Well, how would you like to have a name Nun? Zero. Zilch. Nothing. Nada. Zero. What? Moses, who wrote this, is saying she wasn't somebody you would recognize. She wasn't somebody that was renowned. She wasn't a stateswoman. She wasn't a woman that had anything to do with history in any kind, but she birthed Joshua. Little is much if God is in it. She was the mother of Joshua. And who was Joshua? Joshua was the son of Nun and was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. Now, wait a minute, Pastor. Laying on of hands is a New Testament doctrine. Laying on of hands is what Paul did for Timothy when he was having such a time over there at Ephesus trying to pastor a church, and, and they were so, so mean to him and so... So, so fierce against him. And, and Paul said, don't forget that by the laying on of my hands, by the laying on of my hands, the Spirit of the Lord, hallelujah, anointed you and called you and set you apart. It was the Spirit of God initiated by the laying on of my hands. Amen. That's one of the gifts of the Spirit to the, the churches, the laying, gift of laying on of the hands. Amen. Something happens when you obey the word of the Lord and lay hands. The Bible said they shall lay their hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Woo. Lay hands upon the preachers and they shall preach. Amen. Lay your hands upon people that have a need from God and it will be supplied. Praise the Lord. It's the 
Hmm. I about shout here a little. It's a ministry that God gave to the church. It's not the private possession of any individual. It's the property of the church. It belongs in the church. Woo! That's good stuff, and I like it. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For God, for Moses had laid his hands on children of Israel, hearkened unto him. The children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. Wow. God did something for the children of Israel when he did something for Moses, didn't he? And there arose, listen to what? Now, if, if Moses wrote this, which I uh, will say he did, listen to what he says about himself. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like Moses. Just thought I'd remind all of you I'm the greatest of all time. Just thought I'd remind you I know God face to face. Just thought I would remind you I'm the one that got the Decalogue. Just thought I'd remind you that I'm the one that negotiated our peace with God. Just thought I'd remind you that I would go to the mountain for you and I would come back with a blessing. Amen. Just thought I'd remind you that there has never been one. Is that what it says? There has never been one like Moses since. Hallelujah. Okay, God. Your will be done. I'm ready to go. If you're through with me, I need you to know there's still some in the tank. And I'm the best that ever was, but I'm ready to go. If you want me now, I'm ready to go. Praise God. I like the fact he got his lick said, don't you? Amen. Spunky fellow, Moses, huh? Most humble man of all the earth. But he said, but I'm the greatest of all time. Hallelujah. The stark reality is for the children of Israel, come on, Olivia. The stark reality for the children of Israel is Moses is not coming back. He's not coming. There comes a time in all of our lives when we have to look reality in the face and come to grips with the fact Moses is not coming back. The one I've always trusted to go to God for me. He's not coming back. The one that I've always depended upon for guidance, for instruction in righteousness, for all the things that I have needed all of these years, and he's gone, but he's not coming back. So now then we need a new word. The old word has been taken on to his reward. Moses, you're not going to go to the next level in leadership. Could I tell you what a heavy burden leadership is? We had an overseer one time. He said, gentlemen, said you on the state council, make 
becoming a minister as tough as you can make it. I said, why? He said, because if they're not called, we really don't need them. If they're called, they'll go ahead and preach anyway. If they're called of God, they'll find a way. Praise God. Are, are you a, a find a way? Have you got to find a way, God? With God, all things are possible. He will find a way. And by faith, I will find it. Woo! I said, by faith, I will find it. Praise God. By faith, I will find it. By faith, I will find it. God will find a way. Bottom line with that situation is you don't need people in ministry if they don't know they're called or not. If they're going to quit, come in, throw their license on the desk, first time things go wrong, then don't ever start that process to begin with. Hello, somebody. Be careful who you just put a label on and ordain minister and just kind of... The Bible says to prove and examine. Come on, somebody. Leadership is not an easy thing. It's a burden. It's a heavy burden. And sometimes when the Lord tells you to lead and he leads you northwest and everybody else thinks you ought to go southeast... The problem with leadership is you're out front. And the rocks usually come from the back. It's tough in leadership. It's tough to come down the mountain with news that people don't want to hear. It's tough to go up the mountain and meet with God and come down with news that people don't don't really want to hear. You see, you need to be very careful about your testimony. Sometimes I think you need to wait a little while before you give it. Because with some folks, time is a real issue. Some folks, their testimony don't make it two weeks. Some folks, a testimony don't make it out of the building. Be careful before you tell and speak your testimony. Make sure. Hello, somebody. Make sure that time doesn't erase your testimony. Make sure. Make sure when you give a testimony that it's your sincere, heartfelt testimony. Not just some words that you made up Wow, come on, somebody. We've been through some tough times recently. A pandemic that took a lot of our friends. I lost a lot of friends. A lot of my preacher friends died in the pandemic. Some of the best friends that I know and it wasn't just people from here, people that are in high office in the, in the church. The general director of youth and Christian education died in a month after contracting the virus. Pastors 
I preached funerals of pastors that I've known 30 years and more. And we all sat and scratched our head and wondered what is the church going to look like when we get on the other side of this. You've heard me talk about that. I've sat in leadership classes. My undergraduate work was in leadership, spiritual leadership. My master's degree is about spiritual leadership. I've sat in classrooms and professors go for a three-hour class, Barbara, talking about nothing but leadership. I'm in a Ph.D. program now in leadership, spiritual leadership. And after all those years, I still stand here and tell you, I ain't got a clue. I wish I could tell you how to motivate people. I wish I could tell you how to connect to this generation that we're in right now. How to connect with this culture. How to connect with this social ethic that we have right now. And I... I'm just telling you, trial and error. Because there's so in, much inconsistency. Things change from one day to the next. I saw a sign in a yard this week. It said, normal is not coming back. And on the bottom it had a little... So they said, but Jesus is. Normal may not be coming back, but Jesus is. Jesus is. There's never been a time, this is unprecedented times we're in right now, when strong, powerful denominations are splitting and selling properties for sale signs in churches that have been there over a hundred years. What's going on in our church world? The devil is beating the brains out of us and we're sitting. We're sitting, watching. When we ought to be at our very best, when we ought to be at revival, we ought to be, be intense. What I'm preaching to you about today, Moses is dead. He's not coming back. Nothing's going to change that. It's time to get up off your face, dust yourself off, and say, I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. Onward, forward, and onward. Amen? And if the church doesn't adopt that mentality, then the future doesn't look very bright. And I want to tell you, this culture has written us all off. They say in time, Christianity will disappear from North America. It will not be a part. Well, I'll take that lie in Jesus' name, and I defy it, and I rebuke it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, the church is not going under. In Jesus' name, we're, we're not going to split and divide into so many fragments that we don't have a voice anymore. 
That's of the devil. By the grace of God, we can stay together. By the grace of God, we can do things in God's name. By the grace of God, by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, we can be God's people. Be God's people. And you know what? When I was praying about this, we'll go in a minute. When I was praying about this, God said, well, I've given you something that it doesn't seem like anybody else wants. I said, what's that, Lord? He said, Holy Ghost, Pentecost, anointing. Well, you might can out-church me, but you can't out-Pentecost me. I'm like Paul. I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Amen. I thank my God that I can outshout anybody in the house. I thank God I can run aisles with the best of them. I thank God that when the Holy Ghost falls, I'm going to be right in the middle of it. I'm not going to be sitting off somewhere watching it. I'm going to be right in the middle of it. When the Holy Ghost comes down and people start worshiping and getting their needs met, I'm not going to be pouting somewhere. I'm going to be in the middle of what God is doing and saying, pour out more. God, just give us more. Hallelujah. Because if they don't want it, I said, if they don't want it, then thank God, give it to us. Lord, let your power fall. Lord, let your anointing fall. Lord, let that Holy Ghost power fall in our midst. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the people that desire the power and the spirit of the Holy Ghost in your services, in your worship, in your preaching, in your singing, then you need to get behind that and push just as hard as you can. Amen? Amen. Because there's one thing that will cure, and that's called a move of God, a sovereign move of God. Somebody said the other day, Brother Jerry, what we need is an old-fashioned revival. I said, I don't want an old-fashioned revival. I want a here and now revival. I don't want one that's a memory. I want one that we can have right now. I want one that right now, God can do something right now, a phenomenal, phenomenal thing in the people of the church if we'll just say, God, here am I, use me. Here am I, Lord, use me. Here am I, Lord, use me. Use the talents I have. Use the gifts I've got. Use the ability that I've got. Lord, are you getting all you can get out of me? If there's still some left, if there's still some left, God, you can have that and use that, Lord, whatever's left of me. God, you can have it all. And in Jesus' name, I pledge to you to go forward, to go onward and be the church God wants to have. Hallelujah. God, I pray for people that are watching online right now. And it's easy for them to sit and spectate. It's easy, oh Lord, to sit in that chair and watch. But Lord, I want you through the power of the Holy Spirit to go in that room where they are right now. Go in that living room, in that recliner. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would touch them by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. If they're sick and unable to come, God, I pray that the power of the healing virtue of the Lord Jesus Christ would flow into their bodies and touch them with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Make them well. Start a recuperation in their heart right now, in their body. Let there be a full restoration back to their health in Jesus' 
powerful and holy name. In Jesus' name. Can anybody say in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. Stand to your feet with me. Can you say with me, all things are possible? Will you say it again? All things are possible. Hmm, thank you, Jesus. Will you say with me, God will make a way? Say it again. God will make a way. One more time. God will make a way. Oh, blessed be your name, Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then shall ye hear from heaven, and I will forgive your sins, and I, the Lord, will heal your land. Be faithful to your calling. You are my people, the people of my hand. I have anointed you. Don't fail me, saith the Lord, but be the people I've called you to be. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Somebody give God some praise in this house. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Take the hand of that person beside you. God, we right now united all over this building, hand to hand, heart to heart, prostrate ourselves before you. As Moses said, humble before you. It is thou, O Lord, that hast made us, and not we ourselves. We're the sheep of your pasture. You are our shepherd. And we've heard your voice this morning, God. We've heard your call this morning. And we've risen from our place of rest. And we've come to stand by your side, O Lord, our great shepherd. And we ask you to lead us, God in paths of righteousness for your namesake. Make us to lay down in green pastures. Restore our soul. Anoint our head with oil. Prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Oh, oh thou that leadest and guides your people. Wilt thou not revive us again, O God, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Oh, blessed Lord, we praise you, God. Now just lift those hands right straight up to God. Lord, we've heard you. And in our hearts and minds this morning, God, we want to be in the center of your will and in your purpose and your plan. You've got a plan for Anniston, Alabama. Lord, you keep month after month doing miraculous things so this church can stay alive. 
And I thank you, God, for keeping us alive. Thank you for keeping us alive. Thank you for survival, Lord, that we've fought so hard for for 20 years now in this building. God, would you just continue, Lord, to help us and continue to be our guide and continue to be our shepherd and walk before us and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and goodness and mercy will follow us. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name. Now about 30 seconds of the best praise you got. Come on. Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Now, Lord, don't let us forget what this feeling feels like this morning. Don't let us ever, oh Lord, think like the children of Israel that we can make our own God and make our own religion and we can make it to suit ourselves. It's you, oh God. It's all about your glory and your honor your worship and your praise. They thank you for the worship in this house this morning, God, and thank you for this arousal of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our minds. We don't want to just be ordinary and status quo and another church on the block. God, we want you to do something so special in this church. We want you to start a bonfire of revival. Let there be a out of control revival take place oh lord right here move in our midst oh god change lives change hearts change minds whatever has to be done god but we must have revival or we perish dismiss us now from this place in your sight and your presence in jesus name amen and amen and everybody in the house said amen amen, amen. god go with you and god be with you is our prayer amen